that kind of stuff, I get a little freaked out. The reason I get freaked out is if I look at my life and look at the lives of the people that I know, everybody in some ways is missing out on the expressed wishes and purposes of God. And that is why Jesus came and that is why he lived and that's why he died and that's why he rose again. Because every single person has failed in the stewardship of our lives that is on loan from God. Your life is on loan to you from the creator of the universe, and it's not like a rental car. It's not for you to do whatever you want with it. God has a purpose for your life, and he's given you an entire book to show you how to live it. Pastor Daniel is going to show you today that following God's plans and purposes is crucial, but also that every person ever has misused the life God loaned them. That's why we need a savior, and that is why he came. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 2 Kings chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Battle Beyond the Battle. Elisha sends a message to the king of Israel, who's still not a solid dude by any stretch of the means. And he says, hey, just so you know, be careful because the camps of the Syrian raiders, they're right over there. And then the king of Israel would take a couple scouts. They'd go on out. They'd look. They'd come back like, yeah, it's true. And it says it didn't happen just once or twice. And the king of Syria gets mad. He brings in all of his servants, all the people. like, okay, which one of you guys is really a plant, a bowl for the king of Israel? And one of the servants says, no, no, no. Bro, it ain't us. It's the prophet Elisha. He knows the things you talk about in your bedroom. What does this teach us? Brothers and sisters, nothing is hidden. Nothing is hidden. Everything that every single one of us does is out there in the open. Now, don't get me wrong. It's more terrifying to know that someone else knows than the true and living God. But it shouldn't be that way. See, God knows everything. There is not one thing that one of us can do that God isn't absolutely and completely aware of. We are not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes. But for most of us, we're more terrified of knowing that another person would know than knowing that God would know. And my friends, that's unfortunate. Because the judge of all the earth is not the person sitting next to you. The judge of all the earth is the true and living God who sees everything. I love the story. A little kid went to his kid's church teacher and said, I don't understand why God sees everything. It's all written down. How does God know everything? And that kid's church teacher said, it's beautiful and brilliant. God loves you so much he can't take his eyes off you. powerful. See, nothing is hidden. The things that the king of Syria says to his wife in his bedroom is known. 
And Jesus talks about that stuff, doesn't he? The things that were spoken in the inner rooms will be shouted from the housetops. See, nothing is hidden. And this reminds us, of course, of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Do you realize that today? You think, you may think right now, nobody knows, nobody sees. No, the only person who truly knows and sees is also the person to whom you have to give an account for your life. And my friends, this is why Jesus came, and this is why Jesus died, and this is why Jesus rose again, because each one of us has to give an account before the true and living God for who we are. And God knows everything. He has full disclosure. He knows every single detail. He knows the things that you think about that you don't say, but is in your heart. And we have to give an accounting for our life because our lives are on borrow from the Lord. And God holds us accountable for the stewardship of our lives. The idea of a steward, there's a lot of examples of this in our world. It's like if you have a financial planner, right? You give them your money and they invest it in accordance with your directives. And in a sense, they get held accountable. If they make you money, maybe you keep them. If, you, if they lose your money, you get a new one. And if they do something illegal, they get arrested and charged, Right? So it's not their money they're investing, it's yours, and they do it in long lines with your expressed wishes. Well, guess what? That's exactly what we are. See, our lives are not our own. The breath in our lungs, all the gifts and talents, we may have worked to hone them, but even the ability to work and hone those talents were given by God in the first place. And our lives are not our own, they're his. And God says, this is my express wishes for what life should look like. And we are held accountable for how we live that life. Now, when I say that kind of stuff, and when I think about that kind of stuff, I get a little freaked out. The reason I get freaked out is if I look at my life, and I look at the lives of the people that I know, everybody in some ways is missing out on the express wishes and purposes of God. And that is why Jesus came, and that is why he lived, and that's why he died, and that's why he rose again. Because every single person has failed in the stewardship of our lives that is on loan from God. But the thing is, is that's why Jesus came in the first place. God knew that all of us fail. And God knows that we need forgiveness. And he's saying, look, if you will just come to me, I will forgive you because you have failed and I know it and so do you. And that's the nature of the gospel, my friends. That's the good news that everything about our lives is wide open. Every snarky thought, every cut down with our words, all the sin that we commit of whatever sort your struggle is, God knows all of it. Nobody else may know it, but God knows. But God loves us despite our failings. And he knows that our failings deserve justice for them, but he chooses to give it to Jesus instead of to us. And all we have to do is say, thank you for this gift, God, and then God forgives us and he puts his spirit in us to start to pull the life of Jesus out of our lives. But we have to remember nothing is hidden. There's nothing you're doing that God doesn't know about. And that's not a scare tactic. That's just stone cold reality. If God is all knowing, then God is all knowing. Nothing is hidden. And the plans and purposes of the king of Syria does not escape the Lord. And because Elisha 
is God's inside man. Elijah is hip to what's going on, and he's able to warn. Now, look at what happens next in verse 13. It says, in verse 13, he says, So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So you see what's going on here, right? So the king of Syria does not like the fact that God's inside man, Elijah, already knows all the plans. Every time the king of Syria has a plan, he tells his people to do it. God also tells Elisha. And Elisha goes and tells the king of Israel and it thwarts the plan. So like a king does, he said, where's this guy? Let's go get him. <laughs> we want that guy around here. We don't want him giving our enemies the info that we don't want him. And we kind of would like some information too, I'm sure. Let's go get him. So they go out. They know he's in Dothan. And so they show up at night and they surround the city. Now what's beautiful is the servant of the man of God. Now, we don't know if it's Gehazi or not. One of the things you realize is as we get a little farther in this chapter, Gehazi is going to pop up again. Now, if you were with us in our last message, what you ended up finding was that Gehazi ended up becoming a leper and all of his descendants were going to be a leper because of his rebellion against God. So... What that would tell you is that in some ways, 2 Kings is maybe a little bit out of order. It's not in a chronological order. But we notice, we don't get the name for the servant, so maybe this is at a later date, and Elisha's got a new servant, or it is Gehazi, and they're just not giving his name. But he looks out, and he sees all the chariots, and he wakes up Elijah. He's like, oh, bro, we are in trouble. He's like, we got issues right now. The whole city is surrounded. The whole army is everywhere. What are we going to do? And I love Elijah's response. It's so awesome. Because look what he says. He says in verse 16, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. <laughs> Does that sound kind of logical to you? The servant looks out. There's a whole army around the whole city. He's like, bro, no worries, man. There's more with us. See, God's inside man knows something that his servant doesn't. Because look at what goes on in verse 17. Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Brothers and sisters, listen. Fight the right battle. You need to fight the right battle. Remember, I began this by saying, if you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong battle. 
We need to make sure that we fight the right battle. See, what is going on here is that there is a spiritual realm that pushes in to this physical realm. And for most of us, we don't see it ever. We have no interaction with it. And biblically speaking, there are only a handful of accounts where somebody becomes aware of it. But it's there from Genesis to Revelation. The angels and demons in a spiritual realm. Now what's interesting is, and again, I'm no scientist, I'm definitely no physicist, but the reality is, is scientists are talking about that although we experience life in three, and now they're starting to talk about four dimensions because of the idea of time as it relates to our experience of height, depth, and width, but every physicist will tell you that there are multiple other dimensions that we have no cognition of. <laughs> yeah. Science is always trying to understand the world as God created it. And that's why I'm, not, I'm never against science. You have to realize that. Science's job is to try and explain what God did. Science gets into trouble when it wants to become religion, which in a lot of ways it's trying to. It's trying to be a substitute. No, it's the work of observing what God has already created. And what you have to realize from this and multiple other scriptures that you find through your Bible is that there is a spiritual dimension that presses in on this physical dimension. And every once in a while, somebody's eyes get open and they see it. See, for most of us, I tell you this and you're like, if you've been in church, you're like, I know that that's true because the Bible talks about it. Or you say to yourself, I've never experienced that, but the Bible talks about it. There's some of you, I like to call it having an antenna. Certain people have the antenna where they are much more aware of the spiritual dynamics that exist outside this physical dimension than others. And that's a spiritual gifting. Me and Lynn were talking about this. She's like, well, you can always identify when warfare is going on. I'm like, well, not because I have the antenna, just because I'm used to Satan's devices enough that when I see stuff going on, I'm like, oh yeah, this is warfare. I've seen this enough. But I don't have the, the spiritual sensitivity to the spiritual realm in the same way that other people do in this reality. And what's amazing is Elisha's servant didn't even know it existed, but Elisha knew right well that there was a spiritual realm and that God's angelic hosts were already surrounding the physical armies of Syria. Now, you're just saying, okay, so Fusco, this is like, okay, you're dropping some stuff on us here right now. What does this mean? What it means is that there's more going on than you realize. And for too many of us, we want to only do battle with what we realize and we forget that there's a much greater battle that exists. There is a spiritual realm that is impacting in every single way your life and our community. And we need to fight the right battle. We're too busy fighting people. We're too busy deciding who we're going to blame and who we're going to demonize and who we're going to make sure that everyone thinks that that person doesn't get it and we're missing the work that God has called the people of God to do, which is to get on our knees in prayer and fight the right battles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul says it this way. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, or that word means fleshly, 
but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. See, our job is not to fight the way the world fights with fleshly arguments, but our job is to link up with God's warfare in the world that can tear down any stronghold, that can cast down any argument that exalts itself against Jesus. See, too many of us are fighting the wrong battles. When was the last time we said, Lord, there's a battle beyond this issue I have. Will you work? Lord, I'll wait upon you to speak to me on how you want me to work in this. What is my role in this? See, we're so used to everything being physical that we want to fight physical battles. Do you realize most of the issues are spiritual first and they manifest physically? Isn't that what Romans 1 teaches us about the state of our world today? That it's a spiritual problem that has physical manifestations. The issues in our country, it's a spiritual problem that has physical manifestations. We're putting all of our chips into who's going to win the election. And both parties are ripping each other apart. It's carnal. But that's how you win an election. You get nasty, mean, you tell half-truths. None of it has anything to do with Jesus. None of it does. But we get so bought into it. Why? Because it's physical. It's real. This is important. And I'm not saying it's not important, but it's definitely not the most important. The most important thing. You worried about our country? When was the last time you fasted and prayed for a revival in our country? When was the last time? Every time you went to go post something on social media, you just started posting out prayers. Lord, will you bring our country to repentance? Lord, will you change the ills of society? Lord, change my heart. And don't get me wrong, it's so much easier just to get into the political boxing rink and duke it out. But it is not fruitful. It's not fruitful because we're fighting the wrong battles. Everybody, the Supreme Court justice is the most important thing. No, it's not. Repentance in the face of a holy God is what will change. The reason we have issues with Supreme Court justices is because people don't know what they don't know. And I'm not saying it's not completely important, but it's the wrong battle. And how many of us were more worked up about this than we're worked up about anything right now? Now, I know that when I say all this stuff, I'm going to get a slew of emails tomorrow. But I have to say it anyway. You know why? It's an eternal battle. And that is the battle that Elisha is intimately acquainted with. He's intimately acquainted with it. He realized that the spiritual realm is pressing in. And even though there's a physical army that's about ready to wipe Dothan out and take him away captive, that those who are with the Lord are better than those who are with the army of Syria. And I love this. He says, Lord, open his eyes. He prays for revelation. When was the last time you said, Lord, will you reveal to me what's going What's the battle beyond the battle? What's the battle beyond the battle? Lord, open my eyes. Open my heart. And Elisha's simple prayer, now all of a sudden the servant sees. 
He sees. And he realizes that there's a greater battle going on. There's a battle in the spiritual realm that is impacting the physical realm. And it's amazing because then the Syrians, they're coming on down. So they see them coming on down into the city. And Elisha's simple prayer, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. You notice the distinction here, the dichotomy here. You have God open their eyes. And then you have God, will you shut their eyes? See, God wants to open our eyes to the things of the spiritual realm. And God wants to shut our eyes to physical violence. Because those guys, they had no good intentions in being there. Look at what happens. And this story ends in such an awesome way. Verse 19. Now Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And so it was, verse 20, when they had come to Samaria, that Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And he said, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away. And they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. You see what's going on here, right? So these guys are struck with blindness. Elisha goes out to this army who's now blind, who's seeking him out and says, oh, hey, you guys are in the wrong spot. I'll take you to where you're looking to go. Right? And they're all blind, so they can't do anything anyway. So Elijah takes them about 10 miles or so to Samaria and brings them to the king of Israel. And then when he gets there, they're inside Samaria and Elijah says, hey, Lord, open their eyes now. Bing. 2020 vision, right? And the king of Israel is so excited. He's like, oh, can I kill him? Can I kill him? They're like, it's his enemies. You know, that they're there. Can I kill him? And you gotta love Elijah. Elijah's like, no. Would you kill these guys for you to... Feed them. Now you know God's inside man's Italian, you know? <laughs> so feed them. Feed the guys. And feed them and send them back to their master. And the king of Israel's like, huh, well, okay. And he feeds them, he sends them back. Now notice how this ends. Very last phrase here, so powerful. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Brothers and sisters, what does this teach us? Be a blessing anyway. Be a blessing anyway. The Syrians had no good intentions in Israel. Everything they were doing was evil and wrong and hurtful. Everything that they were trying to do was malicious. But God didn't want to kill the Syrians. He wanted to bless them so that they would change their ways. When the king of Syria believed there was a spy among his own men, he was told that it's because of the prophet of God, who knows what you talk about in your bedroom. Elisha had confounded the enemies through inside information from God. Pastor Daniel reminded us in today's message that God sees and knows everything about you. 
So when you mess up, the best thing you can do is bring it straight to him. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus's Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus's Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will take us into one of the most heartbreaking stories in the Bible. The city of Samaria was being besieged by the king of Syria. No one could go in or out, which meant no food or water for the people. And in those desperate times, people did desperate things. Sometimes all you can do is say, this is horrible. But that's not the only story. Life is awful, but Jesus is real. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Inside Man. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.